Then I need to just come off uh, from the show uh, this morning, so it's 7 o'clock, finished at quarter past 10, so he's covered sort of subjects as wide and diverse as the Doctor's Strike, I was listening to that. Yeah. Uh, an interview with Sir Michael Wilshire, the Governor of the Bank of Scotland of England, um, a whole variety of things that I was alluding to earlier. I mean, LBC is the UK's foremost sort of speed station now, and it has to compete with the BBC with all its resources and all its huge... Um, uh, number of people that, that, that back up. LBC is doing fantastic. Nick, well, Nick's show broadcasts about a million people across the week. LBC is a station that goes to about a million and a half. Um, so it's a good, it's a yeah. fantastic sort of fantastic Thank place. Well, by way of background, Nick's been worked in all sorts of advertising uh, media. He started in newspapers, he's done the um, uh, Kentish Independent uh, newspaper, the Mirror, the Sound, the News of the World, Lord Editor of Sky News. Uh, before he moved to New York to be VP of News and Programs for Fox News. I think his radio career started in 1993, though he came to uh, NBC, I think it was in 2004. He's a triple, well, no more than that, Sony Radio Breakfast Show of the Year, Akiba Presents of the Year, five Sony Awards, two gold, one silver, and two bronze. So you're well versed in the long one, Is it? Awards mean nothing to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> not the first time I got the gold, the second time, the third. The three silvers and the four bronze. So yeah, do go on. <laughs> so what inspired yes. you to get into radio? Uh, I didn't. I wasn't inspired at all. When I was a kid, I always used to like listening to radio. Consumed a huge amount of radio. Uh, when the LBC Breakfast Show was done by Douglas Cameron and Bob Bonner, so I really loved LBC then. That's I'm not just saying because I'm sitting in this room now. Um, but it all just sort of happened by serendipity, really. A guy called Kelvin Kenzie, who I know mm -hmm. you know very well, had been my boss at the Sun, and then we did the Mad Live TV together which was an extraordinary place where I actually earned a lot of money for coming up for ideas of shows like um, The Weather in Norwegian and Topless Darts. And to be paid a six-figure salary to do that was just fantastic. So it was always going to take a lot to prize me out of that. Um, not least was the darts. Uh, but Kelvin decided to uh, borrow some money from Mr. Murdoch and went and bought what was talk radio then. And he'd always found me mildly entertaining. And he gave me the breakfast show. And the bit of radio I'd done before that was literally just a Sunday afternoon with another press guy called David Banks. And he started here in the mid-90s. And he did do breakfast. Not I wasn't involved. I just used to go in on Sunday afternoons. And so that sort of got me my voice on the radio. And then Kelvin used to listen and find it funny. So that's when it sort of, I wouldn't say it was forced on me because I made the decision as well, but that's how it came about. And what, what were the fundamental differences from going into a studio with a microphone as opposed to TV and, and press? Fear. The fear factor. And it's still there to a degree, but not quite as, as extreme as it was. The idea that if you, and I was deputy editor of the Daily Mirror for a while, so if you put the Daily Mirror together, you've got a lot of people to help you. You know, it's not like the whole thing rests on you. And if you go in and you're presenting a speech program, you might maybe have one or two guests, Stan's mentioned a couple of those, uh, today, but the rest is I just have to generate opinion. I have to get people to call me. And if they don't, if they don't call me, I have to speak. And that, when you've never done that before, it's quite a, it's a cold Tuesday in November, and there's nothing happening because it just is a poor news day, and you have poor news day, nothing to do about that. You have to, by sheer force and weight of opinion, get people engaged. And that's quite a, that's quite a challenge. I don't know if I manage it, but that's what I've tried to do. 
But do you, I mean, I think Terry Wogan once said he had a, a picture of a typical listener in front of his sort of microphone. How do you envisage yourself when you're engaging with a million listeners? Yeah, I, I know what he's saying. Of course, Christ, Woodstock had a, a hundredth of his talent and his career. He's an absolute, he really is a legend. I think what I try to think of is where I would find myself at the time of day when I was a, a, a regular <coughs> consumer. So it's mum telling it, and I'm sorry, I'm not being sexist here, but it's just a typical picture of how many families operate. It's mum trying to make sure that they, you've got the rugby boots and the hockey stick as you send the kids out. It's mum or dad in the car going to the station or come, going to work and it's quite noisy. You, you haven't got them for long. So when they're listening, you've got to try and really be quite impactful and to persuade you to stay with me as I'm coming up to the news and travel and obviously we've got to pay the rent so we're going to have some commercials. I would tell you something or ask you something and you're going to think, oh, right, right. so after the news he's going to tell me. That's probably me, sorry. He's going to tell me, oh, that's, that's a true a true story alert. I've actually said something true. He's going to tell me, uh, <laughs> it's, it doesn't happen often. Uh, he's uh, coming up after the news and travel, I'll tell you where Hitler got the idea of the Holocaust from. So if I think of Blitz in his car, I'm going to get to the station, I really want to find it out. So it's like that. And how, in the period that you've been doing the LBC breakfast, how do you think the audience has increased so significantly? What's caused it, do you mean? What's yes. caused the numbers to swell? Well, Chrysalis were hugely important. Uh, and they put a lot of money in it, and they were great. They really were great bosses. But you have to say that, I mean, this is the biggest game in town now. Uh, it's very well run. The idea of, if you talked about my show now, which obviously I, I'm far closer to than anything else, I think Call Clegg was absolutely huge. I did a show with the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, which ran for two and a half years. No one had ever done that before. No one had ever done that in the world before. The idea came from a guy called Tom Cheel, who was the political editor at LBC, and he's now had a big promotion quite right. I think he's deputy station controller or something like that. And he had the idea for Call Clegg. And he went to Clegg. Unfortunately, I'd met um, Nick Clegg at a do where I met you, actually. One of those clubs, the 21 Club, the 49 Club. So, 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 yeah, the Bondage Club. One of the ones that you go to. Put him in the Bondage Club with Cleggie. Um, and we got on really, really well. And so when they went to him, he said, they said, well, look, if we don't know, we see we want to be with Nick Ferrari. And then we see some more. Christ, yeah, it's a breakfast show. And it was, it was absolutely super. And I miss Clay. I, mean, I really do. I, I miss him as a bloke. He's really good. And he, he loved it. He told me he, he looked forward to it in his diary every week. Since May, the only thing he got to look forward to each week is his Ocado delivery. But there's nothing I can do, unfortunately, about that. But we got so much promotion out of that. And that got Farage in. And that got, although Boris is kind of in, Boris is now nailed in regularly. We get the commission of the Met, and the trick is to try and get as much publicity again. Get your name in the papers, get your name on the rival TV search. And to, I mean, one thing I'll be because you've got questions, I'm talking too long, um, is it's quite something. When I'm, if you're on it, Craig, and I'm sitting here chatting, chat, 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 and then I'm monitoring the studio, there's something you said about five minutes ago is playing out, and you see the preview. And we used to sort of give each other sort of sly little nods, which can't be too much because of course you're on the telly, so if you're like, there's not a good look for the Deputy Prime Minister. But that's quite something to be doing. <laughs> but, Going back to, the, to how the audience has increased, is it the quality of the investment that the owners put into the editorial? Is it the way that you the news is edited? Or is it no, the quality of the guests? Uh, yeah, obviously they've made money available. So LBC has a budget that it's never seen before. Um, I would say it has better guidance than it had before. If you get people who you believe in and you think that they can probably bring something to the paper, the TV show, the radio station, let them run with it. Clearly, I mean, yes. in the room today we have a number of, of advertisers in your show. Great. Um, so what's your opinion of the advertising that 
Carry your your show. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that would be the same as these, this audience opinion of me. There'll be a, a fair amount of marmite going on there. I would think some of the adverts are absolutely brilliant and hooked me in instantly. You talk about the quality of the ads. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, both the quality of the ads yeah. and also uh, the frequency of them. Because sometimes, because I listen to the show regularly, and you've got one oh. or two advertisers that we were talking about earlier just play the same ad endlessly. And you think, oh my god. Yes, that's a, a little bit above my pay grade, but look, I'm a commercial beast to my bones, having worked for Murdoch for 12 and a half years. I know the rent has to be paid, so I get it. Woods that there could be a greater number of ads, fantastic. If they could all be bloody cornflakes and BMW and British Airways, fantastic. The reality is currently they are not. But all I would say about the, the quality thereof, because the quantity is really not for me, because I don't know, you know how much money has to be made each day to pay for me. I know it's a vast sum of money they have to take in. Well, hopefully soon it might be a little bit more. Um, <laughs> is that some of them, like what you think of LBC, some of it is actually quite good and they make impressions. And some of it, I have to say, you get the sense that it's probably his or her first ever script they've ever written. And they just toss it to somebody because, oh, here we go, just knock out a radio script. So you get that idea of, I'm trying to think of it up. Um, uh, you don't know the plumbing service, do you? Yes, I do. The plumbing service is 027. What's that number again? 027. What's that number again? Oh, really? <laughs> you couldn't do it. Really? So that's probably my view. Yeah. This will now be the team who are responsible. But the plumbing service. But uh, no, they are some great ones. Right. But what about. See, I love the Galliard Holmes one. I thought that was bloody funny. Yeah. That really made me laugh. Yeah. I am the chairman. And I did a leaving party. I don't know whether you there, Mark. I did a leaving party once. And I, <laughs> and I said. And there's all of LBCs that sat there. And I don't know, if you've never heard this ad, it won't work. If any of you heard the Galliard Holmes ad, you don't know. But there's this actor's voice who comes on, and I said, look, I've always wanted to say this to everybody at LBC. I am the chairman of Galliard Holmes. And this is how the ad always used to start. And it just used to cut through, and that's what you have to do. Right. Do you know, apart from your own opinion, what works and what doesn't in the terms of advertising? That's a good question. Humour, I always thought. Sense of humour. I mean, honey normally gets more than vinegar ever can, doesn't it? So I think a sense of humour, humour, brevity, and a clear message. I would suggest is the things that would do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And what about other forms of promotion that you do in your show? Because you've done some presenter red commercials. Yeah. Because I never get the impression that you're totally relaxed about those. Um, I'm happy to do them. I've done all sorts of things, uh, <laughs> and I'm absolutely open to any suggestions. We do something at the moment called uh, brand yeah. debut. That actually is quite a clever mechanism. If you want me to be absolutely honest, and I understand why, there's a very strict legal structure in which they have to operate, which just sometimes stifles any creativity. So if you don't know what happens, um, I'm selling a, uh, a phone service. Or I'm selling a new bloody O2 phone service. Or and they buy, is it three or four minutes? Yeah. Where they come in, and, and, and I have a strict line that I have to say at the top. So hey, courtesy of O2, we're here to talk about phones, blah, 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 blah. blah. And here's uh, Charlie Bugalugs from, and then it, it is quite scripted. And I think that's a shame, because I realise we've got to get messages out there, and I realise I can only say O2 three times or I have in my account. I think a genuine conversation would really cut through. But again, it's nobody's fault in this room. It's this overarching regulation we have in Britain that governs what you say, and then at the end you have to say, and it's just a bit clunky for yes. But I do think there's power in that. Yeah. It's like the uh, financial regulations, every time you carry a uh, finance ad, you've got to put all these warnings in. Well, this is, has anyone done, I do feel sorry for you, Tesco's got this great promotion at the moment where effectively they promise, you're not going to get vouchers, there's a computer that will just be scanning Morrisons, and if they rip you off, they give you the money back. Well, I heard an ad on my show that said, there are so many terms and conditions, this only applies to Morrisons, but not in the Republic of Ireland, but it goes, and in the end, I just, I'm not going to hate that, I just laughed. 
thought it was bloody worse because it's endless. But again, you're just tied to it. European regulations, so though, that's what you're going to What about other forms? Because apart from uh, uh, the sponsorship, then you carry a fairly lot of sponsors. I love with that. Citrix for those uh, yeah. business. Lots, What's your view of that? Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Very, very happy to do it. Um, and, and also in that, and I've done it for quite a few of the sponsors, I've done speeches for Hilton and I've done, I've gone off and done stuff. And I don't say this nasty, I love it. I did something for Samsung many years ago. So there is a tremendous relationship. And no, I, I absolutely uh, think that's a great way forward. That's what commercial sector should be doing. Okay. Again, hopefully Mark and others can testify this. I am quite a commercial beast. I'm, I'm ready to, to do the dark. I get it. You know, if you work in a Pokemon you bloody well know how important you blokes are. There's no question about it. You're paying the rent. Yeah. What about um, going back to something we touched on earlier about the frequency of the ads? Are you conscious in three and a quarter hours of how many ads is going to drive people away from your well, show? Yes and no. Um, it's interesting. I, I can tell you that in about a, a few weeks' time, there'll be the Christmas pickup in about a month or something. And that is the only time I'll start to get complaints from listeners on emails. Because I get. And why will, what will they be too many, too many ads? Too many ads. And they will say, too many ads, I'll come back after Christmas. Now, this, and they do get it, and they often say, I understand that it's a commercial station. I would suggest, and I can only speak for LBC, I don't have any experience with other global brands. I would suggest with my show, we've got it about right. Any more, it would start with her. They understand that this is how they And also, if you want to be very selfish, they're very useful for me. Because the show, unlike today, and this is not a dig that today is a fantastic program, but they lock that in by about, pretty, well, they lock it in by about eight at night, the previous night. And then all the changes are locked in by <coughs> three or four in the morning, you know, if the Prime Minister of Israel has gone mad, they set that up. So it's all off script. We, we came in and started at seven. We had no idea what we were doing at nine. In fact, often we don't know what we're doing at half seven. Um, but we did know what we were doing at eight because we had the jihadi mother, which was extraordinary. The mother of a kid who went off and joined the jihad at the top. He was beheading Christians. You know, this kid, he said, oh, I told him the mum today. He was, uh, in his teens, he used to support Manchester United, like riding bicycles and, uh, what was it? He wanted to be an electrician. And by his early 20s, he's beheading Christians in Somalia. And he, she gets the phone call that they've just killed your son. Um, he changed his name to Rashid or something. I mean, this is incredible stuff. So we knew we had that, but after 7.30, we had nothing else set up this morning, which is very common. So when we're playing the mm. fantastic ads that you get, I'm actually, I'm both reading the papers still, because I've read them on the clock, but I'm saying, I'll tell you what, move Israel around to 8.30, do that, get me a doctor for 8.20. So you're actually making the program up during that time. So it's not like we're sitting around, you know, placing bets in the Daily Star racing guy. We're so it's generally spontaneous. That's right, absolutely. Well, isn't that quite testing? Yeah, that's what everybody says. Adam Bolton came in. I'm sure you know Adam Bolton. Tremendously talented bloke. And at the end of an hour, he did a paper review where you're in for the first hour. He said, I am absolutely exhausted just watching setting Because I think literally coming with just seven o'clock an hour. He said, you, you just, you don't stop. So I've never seen anything like it. Which, coming from someone like Adam, was mm. a hell of a compliment. But yeah, that's that's the energy. That's why, that's why the production staff don't last very long. They're most, most of them the prior age. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a cap on the amount of advertising and promotions that you keep in that you have in your show? Because oh, there must be. There must be. There, there has to be legally. Yeah. Yes. Well, not really legally. I mean, I think you're right. Okay. Sorry, sorry, not is, my name's is Richard. Yeah. <laughs> he always had the view that it was like nine minutes of advertising was enough. But then by the time you did promotions, station promotions, you were taking up to fourteen or fifteen minutes an hour. 
again, are you conscious of that when it starts impinging on your show? The amount yeah, of course messages? And of course I'll get the shits when it gets close to Christmas, but we, but it's right, of course, then they must do that, because that's, that's what's going to pay my salary. But um, again, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I thought there was a legal crime, so it's Richard's, isn't it? Which, which makes, look, yeah. few people have the experience of radio that you have at Richard Park, and if he thinks that's the ratio that works, I'm not going to want to say it's not. Mm. It feels, if, you were to, if Richard was to issue today a memo, you don't do memos anymore, do you? An email came down and Richard has suddenly said, I tell you what, I want to nick that three more minutes program time. I would celebrate, of course I would, but I totally get where he is now. Mm. Mm. What about, I don't know, you, you've got other brands in the global sort of uh, empire here. And I know that you don't get involved in the other music station, but do you think that ads can work better on a speech format than a music? Thousand percent better on a speech format because there's an engagement. And again, I'm not, I'll be very careful here. I'm not knocking my colleagues in other brands, but truly, if you've been listening to me for a while and we've talked to mothers whose sons have become terrorists and we've talked our way through bombs and we've talked our way through the deaths of whatever it might have been and we've talked our way through all sorts of tragedies and we've been there for each other week in, week out, month in, month out. I've shared a little bit about my background and my two sons because I can't expect to get a lot if I don't give a little. So if I want people to talk about the horrors of divorce, I have to share a little bit of mine and then you hear these horror stories. Or I would say problems of raising my sons because they're very challenges of raising two boys. When you're a lone parent, you give a little, you get a lot back more. The trust that you put, and again, I'm not knocking Jamie or any of the other blokes, but they don't, it's, it's not their shit. They're there to play bloody music. So, of course, they can't be good. They, they, they need to be certified. Andrew Carlson is going to say, Oh, I've had terrible trouble with my daughter today. <laughs> the fuck's happening? You see, I can do I can do all of that. So, obviously, if I suddenly start talking about, and I'm joined now by the bloody boss of Vonage or whatever it might be, there's going to be a level of trust with me that you won't get with other guys. There has to be because we go through so much. Mm -hmm. What about the difference, going slightly off the subject, with what you do and what the BBC provides on its speech stations? What do you say the fundamental differences are? Spontaneity. Uh, spontaneity and, um, I don't want to say truth, that's unfair. Uh, I think, um, clarity. Um, I work very briefly at Five Live when I was freelancing, after Kelvin sacked me for the second time, I, uh, I, I had to make a decision where I tried to crawl back into newspapers or try and give this radio thing a, a go. So I was doing a lot of freelancing. I was freelancing, when I say here, I don't mean here, I meant it was owned by ITN then. And I was doing Five Live, and I was filling in for Edwina Curry on the weekends, who was a Conservative MP on a show called Late Night Curry on Five Live. We now know how she was spending her weekend. The former Prime Minister John Major says a lot for her taste in many ways. What a hideous thought that that coupling would be. Anyway, I would have to do a late night chat show, and I'd be there. And I'm sure you've all been in radio studios. You're now there. You've got these headphones on. So listen to the callers, but also to get instructions from your producer. You know, you're two minutes over. You've got to go to travel now. Nick, Nick, go to the Prime Minister. We've got him now. So do all that. And it's the show's how long ago. It was during the foot and mouth crisis. And I look around this room. Many of you weren't even born. I don't think, but. There was a terrible crisis, and I started on this. It's a disgraceful way Tony Blair's government. Bear in mind, I'm on the BBC. It's a disgraceful way Tony Blair's government. There are trenches of rotting cattle being set alight as bulldozers. The stench is filling this once green and pleasant land as tourists are flying in from the United States. It's a disgrace. And I hear this producer call it. Balance, balance, we need balance. <laughs> so I couldn't think of anything. I just looked down the paper, and there's a picture of Cherie and the kids. And I said, but you know what? Um, and you've got lovely looking children. <laughs> so, at the, at the at LBC, we are not absolutely shackled by fears of balance. And I've worked at the BBC, and it's a great game, I'm not knocking it, but they don't necessarily reflect how, what people are really thinking. 
and they have to balance everything. Only at the BBC would you, on the day that the little baby arrived, was it Charlotte, the last royal baby, Charlotte, baby, Princess Charlotte? Only on the BBC would you have someone from the Republican group saying we shouldn't have the royal family, for sake of Now, pardon my language, that's box, right? Now, is there an argument a week later? Absolutely. But the, the part of the nation that is in celebration is celebrating. The Republicans actually don't care. Baby's been safely delivered. It's not like they want to shoot the Royal Family. But because they're the BBC, oh, we better get balanced. Now, what we do at LBC is I take a view. I'll say you might be surprised to hear. I can take a view on something. And then the balance is provided by the cause. And here's a secret. If you want to get on, you're much more likely to get on air if you say to the uh, young woman who answers the phone, can I just say, I think Nick's an absolute bloody idiot. He hasn't got a clue. Which will, boom, you go straight up the list. <laughs> say they don't like me. And B, <laughs> that's probably the main reason. But B, it's much better radio. What's the point where I say, oh, do you know, Nick, what you just said about Europe? You're absolutely right. Oh, Nick, what you just said about Europe? If you're Nick, you know you're wrong, don't you? Because it makes better radio. What do you think, your, list, your, your listeners, what are the most important subjects to them? Uh, health, personal safety. So that could be all sorts of things from law and order, police, number, stop and search, international terrorism, uh, and the migrant, the migrant crisis I see in there. Uh, effectively, anything that hits them in their purse or their wallet or their children or their safety. It's very simple equation. It's, it's, it's exactly how we operated at the Sun, at the Mirror, at Sky News, everything I've ever worked. At Fox, I invented this. We must entertain in an informative way and inform in an entertaining way. And that's what I, I try and stick with the, the troops here as well. Now, for years, LBC had to broadcast on 97.3 on the FM license. It's not that long ago since you've gone national yeah. on digital. What's been the difference? Well, again, I can only speak to my show, Stan, but the difference of voices. The story we did first, which you had doctors paid, that was a fellow from Liverpool. The first caller on the story we did about jihadism, that was a woman from Bristol. Uh, we had another guy come in from Air, as in Scotland. Okay, you used to sometimes... Look, I could do a week on the old LBC and think, oh, that is quite fun. I think I took a call from Manchester. Now, I never walk out to do it year without having that call from Britain. That has to be healthy. Has to be healthy. And do, how is the station promoted to the regions these days? Well, I, hopefully that's about... Because you did a battle bus, didn't you? Do oh, I see. Yes, that, yeah, that, um, yes, I went round that was... Wait, that was a laugh, wasn't it? Well, that's, yes, that's, I think that's what the press release called it. Uh, it was a challenge, is another way of putting it. Um, I'll do what politicians do there, by answering your question, by not answering. Um, no, it was, it was an interesting one. Uh, it certainly got us noticed. It was certainly hard work. Look, the problem with the battle bus, I don't know if you've ever been on one of these bloody new buses, they look fantastic. But by the time they have to have crew quarters so they can sleep, actually, the upstairs, by the time you put in all the kit for radio, and all the lights, and the table, you are effectively sitting, I've not got any cake, you are effectively sitting, literally, literally, like this, with a little table. It's a giant, I don't know where, all that. and there's a and they've got their catering areas, and of course there's got to be health, they've got a safety door. I mean, it's absurd. It's, so when you're sitting like this with the Prime Minister, and you're sort of crouched over like that, and you're trying not to see his notes, it's a bit of a challenge, but we got there. Yeah, it got a lot of promotion, and I, and I think there's more to come. But I honestly don't know if I can talk about it, so I'm not going to say anymore. I think there's more to come about the, uh, the national side of things. No. I honestly don't know. <clears throat> I know nothing. What would you, if you were sitting in Global's ballroom... Um, That's a frightening thought for everyone here, isn't it? Sure. That's the end of the company. Would you, <laughs> what would be the things you'd invest most in LBC to make the audience even bigger? Promotion. Marketing. I mean, there may be some big name broadcaster. Paxman. I'd, I'd have massive promotion and I'd get Jeremy Paxman to do a show. And that's, have I just got an endless check? Yes. Yeah, right, that's it. Those are the first two things I do. 
So his talent is still hugely. And it's a great lineup, and obviously it would always get better. Yeah. You know, I'm sure the manager of which is the team is doing. I'm sure Manchester City's manager could say, "Look, I've got great players, but if the chairman suddenly gave me another 500 million, I'd find a way to spend it." Yeah. And I would say the same. But I mean, they, are, they have got a very good team. They back very well. Number one through eleven. But it doesn't mean you don't want to bring in a new number seven, does it? You've got a good player. Yeah. What do you think of politicians? You actually said in your book, The World According to Nick Ferrari, oh, yeah, still about about 2008, yeah. <laughs> the advertising industry has to be up there with prostitution as the most morally repugnant business <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although it is true that the money is slightly better if you go into the selling of soap powder dog biscuits or catches as opposed to your body. Yeah. <laughs> The expenses are better, I understand, <laughs> if you go on your side of the fence. Um, politicians. I, having spent so much time getting quite close to some of them now, actually I have a degree of sympathy, because most of them come into it for the right reasons. But it is a horrific and horrific vanity project. And you just imagine that every five years or so you put yourself up for public acclaim, and you're probably, you're probably quite a damaged individual. In that, you're coming to, in that you need public acclaim all the time. It's like being a presenter, all presenters are funny. If you have to work with presenters, it's best if you've got children of your own, of your own because they are just nightmares to work with because they're deluded, they're paranoid, they're probably quite warped, they're damaged in childhood, and they're difficult to get on with. And the same all applies to politicians, but it's worse for them because every five years they have to wander around hugging their wives or other people's wives or their husbands or whatever it might be, kissing children in the vain hope that they might actually get a few votes. What an hideous life. Most of them do it for the right reasons. I think the chances and the crooks have mostly been found out. There will be a few. And I had a, I had a really interesting long lunch with Mr. Clegg. Um, so he, he went out, he, well, he didn't go, sorry, he, he lost his job in May, he kept us an MP. So it was about two months after it, actually, two or three months. And we do get on genuinely very well, and we have been out on a number of occasions privately. And uh, he really opened his soul. And I, this is a vote, I don't support the event, but I like him. And he is a decent bloke, but this craving for popularity from all politicians mm. is extraordinary. Extraordinary. But it was mooted at one point that you might still have stood for London Mayor. That was very real. Yeah, really? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met with David Cameron on more than one occasion about that. That was when he was leader of the opposition. That's how far back we're going. And it was a very, very real possibility. And I was toying with it. I was more than toying with the idea. But two things kind of happened. Uh, one of which I had no control. Two of which I had no control, actually. Uh, the missus started the divorce, and I really didn't. I really didn't think that I needed to be going through all of that. And then Boris entered the front. Uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to beat Boris, so I just wisely stepped aside. Is Boris going to be the future leader of the Conservative Party? Well, if you ask Boris, he'd say yes. Uh, <laughs> if you ask George Osborne, he'd say no. Um, it's very interesting, and I've said this on the radio. So it's nothing. No, 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 no great shock. This one that. If it was put to the Conservative Party membership, he would win, there's no question, because the Conservative Party members like him enormously. <clears throat> Unfortunately, MPs don't, for whatever reason. I mean, somebody once told me it's not because he's, there for himself, he's only there for himself. Well, all politicians are only there for himself. So, at the moment, we are... The way George Osborne is playing is absolutely much. <coughs> I won't bore you for those of you who are not into politics, but we've just come through this ghastly again. Uh, party conference uh, 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 season where we all had to trace around various bloody green cities in the north, probably where you were all born, and we all had to sit in the awful hotels talking to each other, drinking out glasses of Malbec, persuading all geniuses. And Oswald, that he's just, just stole the whole thing. He's a very clever guy, so Boris has got his work. 
Okay, well, Nick's kindly given us half an hour of his time straight after his show, but I wonder whether or not he's prepared to, you know, take a couple yeah, of questions. Yeah, it's alright. Are there any questions for you? Did he ever get a job in the first place? That's what we need to do. Hello. Oh, wow. Stan, you, you take care of it. Yes, go on. Hi. Um, you mentioned frequency of adverts. Yeah. Um, um, in your show, what's it to come out of time to advertise it? Oh, I see what you mean. Shoot, um, run these out three or three and a half, three and a quarter hour show. Actually, in breakfast, I think it could be high, far higher than other programmes because research shows that you don't consume as much of a breakfast show as you do of many other shows by the sheer nature of the fact that you are brushing your teeth, walking through the kitchen, getting in your car and jumping on the train or walking down to the tube or doing whatever you're doing. So I, I can't actually give you a number because I honestly don't know. I mean, what, what, the highest rotation might be about three or four an hour. Is that the max you might get? You, you can run two ads an hour. Two ads. Well, I think that's actually very well, good. We tend to stick people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think because, I, and again, Mark will have all the numbers, but many people consume meat for like 35 minutes, right? So let's think about it. If you're not, you might actually miss the bloody thing anyway, but the chances are we'll catch you once again. So I would say, now, there's probably a different conversation to be had with presenters and managers as regards lunchtime shows or morning shows where typically it's a longer listen. You know, people who are working at home, maybe they've done their first fire of emails, they sit down, they have a coffee and they turn up James or whoever they want to listen to. Uh, or mums come back from delivering children to school or whatever, whatever, taking the kid to the dentist or whatever they turn up there. So, but I think in my shows, it would seem about right, I would suggest. Uh, before uh, before we came in the room here and, and we had a spoiled breakfast, there was a little bit of a conversation I was in that was talking about younger people, yeah. whether they were consuming radio yeah. because they're on their tablets and they're Instagramming and you know looking at YouTube at the same time and so forth. Yeah. Do you think the young do you engage with a, a younger audience, or do you think there is an actual demographic split that may actually threaten radio in the longer term? No, I think one of the great untold. Well, hopefully it will no longer be a secret soon is actually, and we see this every quarter we have a presentation from Richard Park, and we break, I mean, we take, they are forensic, the way that they go through the numbers here, and I don't say that critically, it's, it's I find, having been in newspapers where this afternoon at the Daily Mirror, I would have at four o'clock a yellow sheet that came around and told me roughly what I'd sold today, you see what I'm saying, so it's 4 p.m. today, they'll know roughly what I'd sold. I love looking at the figures, I want to see where the audience is going up and going down, and one of the, the great fallacies about that we see is that young people don't listen. They do. I'm not going to pretend it's vast numbers, but it's a very, very healthy percentage. So let's do that one. As regards radio, honestly, can you think, as I've said this before, if radio was invented today, it would make Bill Gates look like a beginner. It is the most fantastic thing. You can do anything that you like as you listen to the radio, and we can deliver it to you in a multitude of ways. You can drive your car, you can search your car, you can get the children ready for school. You can, you can make children, you can do whatever you want to do while we listen to it. And we are coming up with more and more, it obviously worked over there, coming up with more, what you were doing last night, we are coming up with more and more ways that we can deliver it to you. This is, not for nothing, is radio listenership going up, right? It is a fantastic business to be in. And I was with blokes and mates of mine from the newspaper industry the other night, and I won't tell you which title, but they are, they've got their head in their hands because they've just gone down 22% in one month in what I call advertising, we call sales, 22%. Now I don't know what we're doing, but I know we're, doing, we're going the other way. It's a fantastic bloody game to be in. And honestly, with all the bright people who are working at it and finding more and more ways, I, honestly, I think it's just started for radio. Tremendous, tremendous fun. Stan, do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's got a fantastic future. It really does. It really, I'm so fortunate to have landed in it by sheer chance. Genuine. Any other questions? No? I'm done. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank good luck today. Have a good day.